That's another general name for that area. Babylonia, Shinar, Chaldea. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's food and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end of them they might stand before the king. Now, among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave name. That is, he gave, he, he, in the place of their Jewish names, he gave them, uh, he gave them uh, Babylonian names. And he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar. Now, don't confuse that with a Belshazzar who had the feast in Daniel, Daniel chapter 5. This is Belteshazzar. You notice there's a T-E there, Belteshazzar. And to Hananiah, Shadrach. And to Mishael, he gave the name of Meshach. And to Azariah, he gave the name of Abednego. Now, let's pray together. Father, we pray that uh, as we begin our study of the book of Daniel, that thou will, uh, in, thou will cultivate in our souls and in our minds a desire to know this great book in the Old Testament. Remember that the Lord Jesus referred on two occasions and in solemn terms to this book. We believe that this book is the key and archstone of biblical prophecy. More than that, this book uh, gives us a vivid and living illustration of a man who took his stand for God in an uh, adverse uh, environment and difficult circumstances, and who was not only highly regarded by believing friends, but also by the pagans who surrounded him. So we pray, Lord, at the beginning of our study that thou wilt uh, give to us a good study in the book of Daniel. Make this a profitable uh, several weeks that we study together. We pray that as we study this book, even though we may study some technical matters at times, we pray that it may be profitable, we may translate the truth into life, we may find how more effectively to share our faith in the Lord with other people. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now today, I want to take up the, out, the background to the book of Daniel. The last two Friday mornings, we took up a survey of the Old Testament. Now, I've had a lot of comments from men uh, about that survey. They either said they liked it or they said it helped them go to sleep. <laughs> See, But I had a lot of comments on our survey in the Old Testament. And you know what, I, uh, after I, um, I had several men come up and said that this last two weeks on Friday morning has been very profitable in our survey of the Old Testament. And uh, I had this, uh, I, suppose, uh, I suppose at least a dozen men come up and talk to me about this uh, from time to time. And I... Uh, couldn't help but think, well, perhaps we should have studied this survey of the Old Testament this year. I entertained that idea. I taught the survey of the Old Testament to the men's class, which was about one-third this size, when I first started teaching this class approximately 20, 21 years ago. And I taught it one other time, about 10 or 12 years ago, to this same class. So I guess it's about time for another round. And uh, we are going to... Uh, study the book of Daniel, it'll take us about 12, 12 weeks to study the book of Daniel, 12 to 14 weeks, because some chapters will take more than one session. And it may well be that by the time we finish our study of the book of Daniel, probably around the end of January, that we will finish out the year, uh, rather than studying the Pauline epistle, we'll, um, we'll just take up uh, the book of Daniel, uh, the Old Testament survey. February, March, April, and May. For about 16 weeks, we'll study Old Testament survey and elaborate on that which we studied during the last two weeks. Now today, I would like us to get a good solid a grasp of the background to Daniel's epistle, uh, Daniel's uh, book. How do we set this book in history? What, are the major, what is the major theme of this book? What is the movement of, the, of this book? I'd like to... Uh, See, if we cannot get to the place by the end of this class to be able to walk through the book of Daniel and to uh, nail down the chapters and perhaps to uh, have a fair grasp of what takes place in each one of the chapters in this book. So we want to take up about eight or nine things this morning, some of them very briefly, some of them a little more extensively. Now, the first one is a... Um, uh, historical, the first point I want to look at is the background to the book of Daniel. And we touched on this last time. There are certain critical events that uh, 
with which we ought to be acquainted in the study of the book of Daniel. They are somewhat on this chart uh, that I placed on the, uh, on the overhead, but um, that chart's not too clear. And I rather imagine that some of you cannot see from the back, and when I stand in front of it, nobody can see. But here's the year 609. 609 is the year that uh, King Josiah was killed. Uh, there was a great struggle for power on the Fertile Crescent. If you can fix in your minds, and unfortunately we don't have the map here, but if you can fix in your mind, Egypt over here and the eastern part of the Mediterranean here, and this is what's called the Levant, Syria, and Palestine, and uh, here's the Arabian Desert, and over here is uh, Babylon in the Persian Gulf, and this place was named by uh, James Harvey Breasted, if I'm not mistaken, the University of Chicago. This was first called the Fertile Crescent, the Fertile Crescent. This was the trail that Abraham followed when he left Ur of the Chaldees, came up to Haran, which we call Syria, and then down through, uh, through, uh, down through southern Syria and down into Palestine, and then eventually men would go down into Egypt. And all uh, traffic and culture developed along the Fertile Crescent. Now Babylon, here is the Tigris and the Euphrates River, and they dumped empty into the Persian Gulf. And right above this is Babylon. This is Babylon, and above this is Assyria with an A-S, Assyria. And then right over here is no A-S, Syria, with the capital Damascus, and then we come down to Palestine. Now, Assyria, A-S-S-Y-R-I-A, Assyria had been in control of the Fertile Crescent for the last couple of hundred years. The capital of Assyria was Nineveh. Nineveh. Nineveh fell to the Babylonians in 612 B.C. That's not up there because this is going to only deal with the Neo-Babylonian Empire. The Old Babylonian Empire goes back to about 2000 B.C. The Neo-Babylonian Empire... Uh, began uh, about 630, 640 B.C., but the critical event, two critical events, one was the fall of, A of Nineveh in 612 B.C., which marked the fall of the Assyrian Empire, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. There was still a, a struggle for another six, eight years. And uh, so that left, when Nineveh fell, that left two great world powers, Babylon and Egypt. Babylon and Egypt met in a great historic struggle uh, in 605 B.C. called the Battle of Carchemish. And in the Battle of Carchemish, which is up here at the top of the Fertile Crescent, Babylon decisively defeated Egypt. And Egypt retreated all the way back to Egypt. And when that took place, that left all of Syria and Palestine open to the son of the king who was in charge of the military operation. The son of the king's name was Nabopolassar. The son of the king was named Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, 605 B.C., defeated, the, uh, defeated the, the Egyptians at the Battle of Carchemish, one of the great critical battles of history. When he did that, that left Syria and Palestine open to the Babylonians. And Nebuchadnezzar very quickly marched down through Syria and down to Palestine and down to Judah and conquered Jerusalem. He did in about four months. He defeated the Egyptians at the Battle of Carchemish about April 605 B.C. And he was back over yonder in Babylon in the latter part of 605 B.C. So in that time, he... he uh, he got down there. Now, what happened in 605 B.C., as a matter of fact, four things happened. Now, you're going to have to listen to this, <laughs> but it's important to the background of the book of Daniel. Number one, 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar defeated Egypt at the Battle of Carchemish. When he did that, that left all of Syria and Palestine and Judea open to Nebuchadnezzar. Number two, he marched south, invaded uh, 
invaded Syria, invaded northern Palestine, invaded Judea, and conquered Jerusalem. That's number two. Number three, a couple of weeks after he uh, came upon Jerusalem and conquered Jerusalem, word reached him from way over here in Babylon that his father, Nabal Pelasser, had suddenly died, and somebody was going to fall heir to the throne. And if Nebuchadnezzar didn't get back there to uh, exert his right to the throne, and it really should have fallen to him, one of his brothers would have taken over the throne, and Nebuchadnezzar would have been left out in the cold. So, something, uh, so Nebuchadnezzar left Jerusalem, left it in charge of his generals, and made a swift march across the Arabian Desert. That was almost unheard of. Whenever they marched, they'd go over that fertile crescent. When Abraham went this way, went over the fertile crescent. All traffic went over the fertile crescent. Nobody went across the desert. But Nebuchadnezzar knew that it was vital that he get back as soon as possible, so he made a swift march across the desert and laid claim to the throne of Babylon, and he ruled over Babylon from about 605 to 556, 562, 562 B.C. Had a long, long reign over Babylon, and Babylon was the great power of the Middle East in these days. The fourth thing that happened was uh, Nebuchadnezzar left word with the general that he left back in Jerusalem to take the best, the finest young Jewish boys and bring them slowly over the Fertile Crescent and bring them back to Babylon. And among those fine, outstanding, good physical specimens, high IQ, capable of taking over administrative posts, among these select young men was a young man was a young man whose name was well what do you think daniel see now four events that they all weave together number one nebuchadnezzar defeated uh, egypt the battle of carchemish number two he moved south and conquered jerusalem number three he quickly moved back in 605 the latter part and laid claim to the throne of babylon over which he ruled for the next uh, 42, 43 years. And number four, he left a word, command for his general to bring back select young men. And they were always doing this in the countries in which they invaded. And bring select young men back to uh, Babylon uh, for um, uh, training. What did they do with those boys? Not to enslave them, not to enslave them. But they would bring these boys back and give them administrative training and then probably send them back to their own countries to rule, to hold administrative posts in their own countries. And they felt that by doing this, they would make these young men loyal to Babylon. And Daniel was one of them. And he rose to the top and maintained an administrative post itself in, um, in Babylon. Now, having looked at that just a moment, let's put this setting. There are, there are going to be three deportations into uh, into Babylon, uh, from Palestine into Babylon. Three deportations. And uh, I like to put it this way, and I hope everybody can see it. And if you get this, you'll get the latter part of the, uh, of the book. We put up here uh, six, uh, the first date we want is 605. We just looked at that. That's number one deportation. Number one, deportation into, uh, into Babylon. And Daniel went in that deportation. Then the second deportation is in 597 B.C. And Ezekiel was taken to Babylon in that deportation. And when you read the book of Ezekiel, you're going to read uh, some of Ezekiel's experiences in Babylon. And then in 580, uh, uh, 586, 586, we have the third deportation, and the prophet Jeremiah was taken down to Egypt in that deportation. He was kidnapped and taken down to Egypt. Uh, uh, Jerusalem and Judea tended to throw its lot in with Egypt, and it threw its lot in with the losing side. Judea always had the facility. Uh, the Jews at that time always had Judea had the facility of always putting their bets on the losing side. 
See, I don't know why, but they put their through their uh, weight with uh, Egypt, and Egypt was defeated. Carchemish, and also here, and God and the prophets. You run Ezekiel and Jeremiah, you'll find that they warned Judah, "Don't ally with Egypt. Don't rest upon that broken reed of Egypt." See, God's going to use Babylon to uh, to punish you. So don't don't rely upon Egypt. They disobeyed God, and they suffered because of it. So three deportations, three deportations. 605, the first one, and about, what, 150, 200 young men were taken. The cream of the crop. Number two, at least 10,000 skilled technicians were taken this. They took, they took out of the land all the skilled uh, engineering and technical talent and took it over to Babylon. And then in number three, they uh, slaughtered a lot of people and take, took a few more thousand over. And when they did that, they burned the walls and they burned the temple. Now, there's 70 years in Babylon. We figure that from 605 to 536. And Daniel is the one man and the one book that spans that whole exile, Daniel. Now, just as there were three deportations, there are also three returns from Babylon to Jerusalem. Three returns. The first one took place about, oh, 538, 536. Babylon fell in five, 539 B.C. Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians. Cyrus was the Persian king. Babylon fell. And about a year after that, Cyrus issued a decree, Ezra chapter 1, which allowed the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. So after several months, the Jews started back, and I suppose they got back about 537, 536 B.C., and that's the 70 years captivity, which is figured from 605 to about 536 B.C. So that's the first return, number one return. And that was under a man by the name of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Then in about four... 57, we have a second return, and that return is under a man by the name of Ezra. That's the book of Ezra. And then about a dozen or so years later, uh, we have a third return, and that return is under a man by the name of Nehemiah. Now, so that's number one return, and number two, and number three. Number three return. Now, there's one book that falls between this first and second return. And that book tells about the experiences of a few Jews in the land of Persia. And that book is the book of Esther. And Esther was written about 480 B.C. And that's the background, the final um, events of Old Testament history. And this is the setting of the book of Daniel. How many deportations from Jerusalem to Babylon? How many? Three. The first one in 605, who went in that one? Daniel. The second one in 597 took about 10,000 skilled artisans. And who went in that one? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. And the third one, the final one, which was this is the, this is the destruction of Jerusalem here. Nebuchadnezzar was tired of the city by this time. They revolted twice. He deported them here, and, and, and about three years later, about 602 B.C., the king of Judah, whom he left there, Jehoiakim, revolted. Nebuchadnezzar couldn't deal with it at that time. Couldn't deal with it at that time. He had to wait a few years to deal with it, wait until 597, and Jehoiakim had died, and his son Jehoiakim, with an N on the end of it, what unfortunately for him was ruling... When Nebuchadnezzar got free of all of his, uh, of his military ventures up north and was able to focus his attention on Jerusalem, and he came down in 597 and made short shrift of Jehoiakim. He lasted, Jehoiakim did, three months. That's how long, just three months. And he tossed him off the throne and put in his uncle, Jehoiakim's uncle, 
was named Madaniah, and he changed his name to Zedekiah, and he left him as the king. And about four or five years later, Zedekiah revolted against Nebuchadnezzar again. And Nebuchadnezzar uh, at that time was again involved in military ventures elsewhere, couldn't come. And by 588, he was free of those military ventures. So he came down the third time, and now he's tired of these fellows, see. He's tired of the Jews rebelling against him in Jerusalem. So he comes down on the city with a vengeance. And he, and he conquers it, and he leads it to his general, who has a name similar to him. He leads it to his general to wreak havoc, to, to, to burn the city down. And the general moved in and burnt down the walls, took down, knocked down all the walls of the city. And the walls of the city served a protection. The Bible says in Proverbs that a man that can't control his spirit they can't discipline his spirit. It's like a city without walls. And a city without walls in those days was any, uh, open to any invasion, any invader. It was, it was, uh, had no uh, protection against any invasion. So he burned down the walls, tore down the walls, and he destroyed the temple, and he took the rest of those vessels over to Babylon, and those were the vessels they were drinking out of when Babylon fell 50, 60 years later. Now Ezra, Ezra tells us about the rebuilding of the temple. Nehemiah tells us about the rebuilding of the walls. So three deportations. What deportation did Daniel go in? First one, 605. Daniel is still living Daniel chapter 5, Daniel was still living when the Babylonian Empire fell and the Persian Empire came into power. Daniel's still living over there. In fact, Daniel chapter 5 tells us about that night when the power fell. And Daniel lived for three, four, five years into this. So he, he saw the beginning of the exile and he saw the ending of the exile. May I say that again? Daniel is the only one of which whom we have any record that saw the beginning of the exile, 605 B.C., and saw the ending of the exile. He saw the rise and the fall of the Babylonian Empire, and he saw the rise of the Persian Empire, and he predicted the fall of the Persian Empire. And then there are three returns. The first one under Zerubbabel, in about 537, 536, the second one under Ezra to rebuild the temple, 457, and the third one under Nehemiah to rebuild the walls in 445. Now, when we go over the last three books in the Bible, Old Testament, what are those last three books? What are they? Last three books. Haggai, Zechariah, all right, are you looking up here? Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Haggai and Zechariah prophesied right in here. They, these two men encouraged Zerubbabel, the uh, political leader, and Joshua, the religious leader, to finish the temple. The temple was started about 536. It was stopped in 535, and it was left there with just the foundation for about 15 years, till 520 B.C. When Haggai came along, uh, and in about uh, the fourth month, the sixth month of that year, and he begins his chapter by saying, listen, you wondering why you're making all that money and you're putting it into your bags and it's running out through holes. And he said the reason is, is because you're leaving the temple of God, the house of God, in disrepute. You're making a lot of money, but you're not saving a penny because you're not honoring God. Now get busy and finish the temple. And then along comes Zechariah, and he says the same thing. Not by might, not by my power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. He says the same thing, and they get busy, and in four years they finish the temple, and they dedicate it in 516 B.C. Zechariah, Malachi. And then we have, uh, we have the book of Esther that fits in there, and then Ezra, Zechariah, Haggai, Zechariah, and what's the last book? And Malachi is contemporary with Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a revival, 
and probably the religious leader that was involved in that revival was Malachi, and that's the end of the Old Testament. Now, you see the importance of Daniel? Daniel, Daniel spans the whole exile. He enters the exile, and he, he's there when it's concluded. He spans the exile. Nobody else. He spans his period. Daniel witnessed the fall of the Jewish nation as an independent nation. There are three or four things that mark the importance of the fall of Judah at that time. One of them is that it marked the fall of Israel as an independent national state. And that independent national state, you know, as we mentioned last time, wasn't reinstituted again until what year was that, Bondashiel? 1940? What? 1948, he told me after the service. And that's no doubt right. 1948. It fell in 586 B.C. and wasn't reinstituted as a national state once again until 1948. That marks it, that third deportation. Now, having said that, let's turn to 2 Kings. 2 Kings. 2 Kings. In 2 Kings 24, verse 1, is the same as Daniel 1, 1 and 2. 2 Kings 24, verse 1, is the same as, as, uh, as Daniel chapter 1, 1 and 2. Now, let's take just a few minutes to read this chapter. We'll see the background. 2 Kings chapter 24. Now, I'll give you a minute to find that. That's right over after 1 Kings. That's about it. You got 1 Kings and 2 Kings and 1 Chronicles. 2 Kings 24. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Now, that's the first invasion. doesn't say much about it in Kings. He says more about it in Chronicles. But that's the first deportation. Right next to 2 Kings 24, verse 1, I wrote in my old Bible. I got a new one here, fairly new. But I had written number 1, 605 B.C., number 1 deportation, 605 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, came up to Jerusalem, and uh, Jehoiakim was the king, and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Well, after three years, about 602, Jehoiakim rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, but Nebuchadnezzar couldn't do anything about it. So he skipped down to verse 5. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all they did are they not written the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. So Jehoiakim died, and Jehoiakim, I-N, reigned in his stead. And verse 8, Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem how long? Three months. What happened? Nebuchadnezzar came up the second time and deposed him. Verse 10, at that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against Jerusalem. Now, what do you have next to verse 10? Number 2597. This is the second deportation. Number 2597 B.C. That time... The servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city is besieged. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city, and the servants did besiege it. And the mother goes out, verse 13, and he carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord. What is the house of the Lord? The temple. Those treasures are the treasures and the vessels that they are drinking, with which they are drinking in, in Daniel chapter 5. And he cut in pieces all the vessels of gold to Solomon, king of Israel, made the temple of the Lord, as the Lord said. And he carried, verse 14, he carried away all Jerusalem. What did he carry away in deportation number two? All the princes, all the mighty men of valor, your military leaders, even 10,000 captives, and all the craftsmen and the smiths, all the engineers and the technicians. He took to Babylon the best. None remained except what? The poorest poorest sort, not the poorest in wealth, but the poorest sort of the people of the land. He left the poorest sort. That is those who had no initiative. king in his stead, and he changed his name to Zedekiah. 
Zedekiah was 21 years old and began to reign, and he reigned how long? 597 to 586 B.C., 11 years. He did that which is evil. Look at verse chapter 25, verse 1. He revolted against Nebuchadnezzar about five years later, about 592. Chapter 25, verse 1. Came to pass the ninth year of his reign, 588 B.C., by, in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his host, against Jerusalem, camped against it. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is tired of this country, see. He's tired of the revolts and rebellions, so he's going to come in and lay on it hard. He camped against it, and they built forts against it. And the city was besieged until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah, on the ninth day of the fourth month, about eighteen months they lay siege to the city. And the city was reduced to cannibalism. Eighteen months he laid siege to the city. And the famine prevailed in the city. There was no bread for the people of the land. The city was broken up. All the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between those two walls. And the army called in, pursued the king, overtook him in the plains of Jericho. He took the king, verse 6, brought him to Ribla, verse 7, and they slew the sons of Zedekiah, the king before his eyes, and put out his eyes and bound them with fetters of bronze. Now look at verse 8. The fifth month, seventh day of the month, 586 B.C., which is the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar. When did King Nebuchadnezzar begin to reign? 605. What's 19 years later? 586 B.C. The fall of Jerusalem as an independent state for the next 2,300 years till 1948. Verse 9, verse 9, he burned down the house of the Lord, that's the temple. Verse 10, and all the army they called the Indians with the captain of the guard broke down the what? Walls of the temple, Jerusalem round about it. And right next to verse 9, my old Bible, I wrote the, I wrote the word Ezra, because Ezra tells about the rebuilding of the temple. Ezra. And what do you think I wrote right next to verse 10? Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah tells about the rebuilding of the walls. All right, three deportations. Three deportations. Now, why, why did God judge Israel? Why did God judge Judah and send them into captivity? Well, I don't have time. I hope to have time, but I don't. So I'm going to suggest that you Read today, tonight, while it's fresh in your mind, read Second Chronicles 36, especially verses 11, 14 to 21. Second Chronicles 36, verses 14 to 21, which covers the same history as recorded in Second Kings 24 and 25. And you'll find that Chronicle, the chronicler, the writer of Chronicles, gives us three reasons why God judged Judah, took them into captivity. First was idolatry and apostasy from God. The second was the rejection of the prophet uh, of the message of God's prophets, and the third was the violation of the Sabbatic law. And the Sabbatic law was that they had to let the land lie fallow without without harvesting it, without plowing it, without sowing, without harvesting once every seven years. Now, they disobeyed that law, and you know God made the mathematics table. He knows how to figure it. They disobeyed that law for 490 years. Now, if you divide 490 by 7, what do you get? How long? 70 years. So God took them out of the land for how long? 70 years. If they wouldn't obey that law voluntarily, he saw to it that they obeyed it involuntarily, see? They disobeyed the sabbatic law for 70 years. And Jeremiah 25 and 29, you ought to write that down. In Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah over here, over in this period right here, predicts that they're going to go down there and spend 70 years in Babylon, and they're going to come out again. And you know what Jeremiah did? He was so sure of the word of God he was so confident of the word of God, 
that while the armies of Nebuchadnezzar are coming down, while the armies of Nebuchadnezzar, the great army of Nebuchadnezzar was coming down to Jerusalem, and everybody in Jerusalem knew what was going to happen. They knew that Nebuchadnezzar was going to conquer Jerusalem. They knew they would be taken captive. They knew that. What do you think happened to land value when that took place? Increased or dropped? Dropped. 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 There was one man in the city who went out and paid full price for a plot of land. You know who that was? Jeremiah. You know why he did it? Because he said, I have confidence that God is going to bring us back. After 70 years for this land, God's going to bring us back, and I want something for my grandchildren when they get back here. So I'm going to buy a plot of land. They thought he was crazy, but he wasn't. He had confidence in the word of God, in the prophecies which God had promised him, had given to him, that they would come back after 70 years. Now you read that, Jeremiah 25, Jeremiah 29. Now you don't have any promise, so don't go out and pay extra money for a plot of land, see? But Jeremiah did. All right, let's look quickly at, uh, at uh, the second thing, the second thing. Languages, number two, languages. Languages, second thing. That's the background of the book. Let's look at, secondly, at the languages of the book. You say, well, why would we even look at the languages? Well, for one reason. In what language was the Old Testament written? Hebrew. In what language was the New Testament written? Greek. Hebrew and Greek. But there's one other language that the Old Testament used, and that was Aramaic. And, and, and Daniel chapter 2, verse 4, to Daniel chapter 7, verse 21, the end of Daniel chapter 7, is written in Aramaic. What was Aramaic? Well, it was a Semitic language. It was a language of commerce, like they, call, they used to call French the lingua franca, the language of commerce. So uh, um, Aramaic was used over that fertile crescent. It was the language of commerce. Daniel 1, 1 to 2, 3 was written in Hebrew. Daniel 2, 4 to Daniel 7, 21 was written in Aramaic, the language of the Gentile nation. Daniel 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 was written once again in the Hebrew language. Now why? Why? Well, the solution that most men come to, and I think it's a valid solution, is this. Will you look here? <clears throat> Daniel chapter 1 was an introduction, so it was written in the tongue of Daniel, the Hebrew language. Daniel chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, those seven chapters have to do with Gentile nations. The great prophecy, Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, under the... Uh, image under the picture of an image in Daniel 2 and under the picture of four beasts give us a prophetic view of Gentile world history all the way up to the revived Roman Empire which is, I believe is still in future the Western Confederacy and the rise of the Antichrist the little horn of Daniel chapter 7 the four great world empires Babylon uh, uh, Babylon and Medo-Persia, and the Macedonian, the Greece, and the Romans. And those deal with Gentile nations. So they were written in Aramaic. And then begin with Daniel 8, prophecies of Daniel 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, have to do with the Jewish nation. So they're written in Hebrew. And I think that gives us a clue to the outline of the book. All right, let's go on. Number four, the authorship of the book. Authorship of the book. Well, I believe that Daniel wrote this book. Now, I wonder if you'd look up here. You know, Daniel has probably been the most hotly contested book in the Old Testament. And the reason is it's, it's so concretely prophetic. The liberals, the liberals, take Daniel and put it down, say it was written about 165 B.C., we would say that Daniel was written, uh, when we say it, the last it was written, it was written during parts and then Daniel put it together, but it was finally completed around 530, uh, 532, 533, 534 B.C. See, Daniel was about, 
He couldn't have been any less than 15 when he went into captivity, so he was born about 620 B.C. He was thrown into the lion's den about 535 B.C. See? Well, that would mean he would, what, be 83, 84, 85 years old when he was thrown in the lion's den. And he probably died, well, let's say, around 90 years of age. So he finished his book between 530 and 5, 530 B.C. But the critics don't like predictive prophecy, and especially do they not like Daniel chapter 11, which so accurately predicts the Maccabean period and the war between Syria and Egypt, predicts it right down, describes it very carefully. The liberals say that can't be. Predictive prophecy is not possible. So they take the book of Daniel and put it down about 165 B.C. after those events take place. And they say it's simply history. Then some, somebody wrote the book of Daniel and took Daniel's name and put it to the book, see? That's the view of the liberals. Now, we don't believe that as conservatives. Bible believers don't believe it. And we don't believe it for many reasons. And I'm not going to go into it. You can get any good book on it and read it. I don't, I, I don't believe it for many reasons. But I'll tell you the main reason I don't believe it. Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church, didn't believe it. Jesus Christ, on two different occasions, at, at, spoke of Daniel the prophet, as a real historical figure, and spoke of him writing parts of the book of Daniel. He attributes that statement about the abomination of desolation written by Daniel the prophet. He considered him a real character, and he attributed Daniel to Daniel. And on the authority of Jesus Christ, I accept Daniel as written by Daniel about 535, 530 B.C. All right, the purpose of the book, we'll skip that, we'll see that later. The captivity of Daniel, we'll look at that later. And um, I want to look at perhaps three more things, if time will permit us. The main thing I want to look at is the, um, uh, the structure of the, the book. And uh, we'd like to finish with that. Now, let me see if I can get this on the blackboard. I wonder if I can get one of the men to help me turn this around. That'll be easier than... Yeah, right. Would you mind, one of you, I get hung up on this thing. And will that thing move out just a little, Mr. Campbell? Give me a little more room. Listen, if we can, what would be nice to do would, yes, sir. If we could bring it up here, I'm going to put it up here if we can. <laughs> we may not be able to do this. Can we lift it up? Is that too heavy? Now listen, what we're going to need to do is to lift it up and turn it around. All right, is that going to run off? Now we're going to have to turn it around. Will that drop off? Is it on? Come on, let's go. Hold your breath. Hold your breath. It's not going to work. Well, what? No, I don't want it. That's why I'm bringing it up here. Listen, all the technicians and engineers were taken out of the land. And, uh, what do we... We need to put it on something around here. Uh, will that piano still do it? All right, we got one technician. I don't think it will. Bring it over here and put it under over here. I'll show you how to do it. We got one technician right here, like that. All right, now, the book of Daniel can be, uh, I'm going to divide it a little differently according to that language, but there are six events, six events from Daniel, Daniel, uh, the six events uh, from Daniel uh, 1 to 6, and then we've got... Um, uh, four prophecies, four pro major prophecies. We also have some prophecies in Daniel chapter 2, but six events and four prophecies. Now, let's see if we can do this. Here's the event, and uh, here's the date. Uh, uh, here's the uh, Shaw. That's the first mistake and only one today. Here's the chapter. And here's the event, and here's the date. 
Now, once, I don't know if we're going to be able to get all this on, but we'll try it. Like this. Now, chapter one, two, three, four, five, six, six events, seven, eight, nine, and ten to twelve. The prophecy of chapter, there's four major prophecies, seven, eight, nine, ten to twelve. Ten to twelve all constitute one, one, one chapter. All right, now let's see if we can put the events, and then we'll put the dates. Daniel chapter one, Daniel chapter one, Daniel chapter one. What took place in Daniel chapter 1? Does anybody tell me? You know what took it. You, you read it. What happened in Daniel chapter 1? Daniel was taken from Jerusalem over to Babylon. So we got the deportation, D-E-P-O-R-T, deportation to B-A-B-Y, Babylon. Better put an L there. Or you have deportation to baby and you'll wonder, what is that? Deportation to Babylon. Now, what is the date of that deportation? 605 B.C. All right, Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, we have Nebuchadnezzar's first dream. That's the dream of that great image made of four parts. The head of gold, Babylon. The chest of silver, Medo-Persia. The thighs of brass. Uh, Greece, and the legs and feet of iron and iron and clay, the Romans. Dan, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's first dream, and Daniel interpreted it. Well, when did that take place? About two years after Daniel got to Babylon, and that's given to us in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, and this is in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. All right, what's chapter 3? After that, they saw that, uh, they saw Dan, uh, Nebuchadnezzar heard of that image, he decided, well, I'll make myself that image. And he went out and made an image and required all people, including the Jews, to do what? To bow down and, and worship. And so there were some boys that wouldn't worship, and they were thrown into, what do we call that? The fiery furnace. So Daniel chapter 3 is the fiery furnace. Fiery furnace. And that took place about 602. It took place just a few months after that uh, dream because the image which Nebuchadnezzar built in Daniel 3 is based on the dream he had in Daniel chapter 2, and that's found in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. All right, Nebuchadnezzar had another dream. Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. Daniel chapter 4, and that took place, well, there's quite a bit of time it Stands there, it took place about 575 B.C., and we find the beginning of it in Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. Dan he, he, uh, remember, he uh, dreamed this dream in Daniel chapter 4, and afterwards he, God put him out into the forest like an animal. His senses were taken from him, and he lived that way for how long? Seven years. Seven years. All right, that's Daniel chapter 4. All right, we come to Daniel chapter 5, and somebody else has a dream and sees something on the wall. Who was that man? Belshazzar, who was the co-regent with his father, Nabonidus. Belshazzar. He began reigning about uh, 553 B.C., 553 B.C., Belshazzar. And what happened that night after Daniel interpreted that dream? What happened? Babylon fell, the fall of Babylon, the fall of Babylon, and the Neo-Babylonian Empire was over, the fall of Babylon. Well, what, when did that take place? Well, we know this from history. That took place in 539 B.C. They got it down almost to the date, not from the Bible, but from what's called the Nabonidus Chronicles. They got this right down to the date. It took place in October, 539 B.C. And that's recorded in Daniel chapter 5, and especially about verses 36 to 38, the fall of Babylon. All right, that's Daniel 5. Now we come to Daniel 6. The Babylonian Empire is gone, 
And on the throne comes Cyrus, and one of his leading generals is a man called Darius. And you remember, he got him to make out a decree that everybody had to worship, couldn't worship any god, couldn't pray for such and such a time. And one man did pray. Who was that? And because he did pray, he was thrown into the lion's den. When I read that as a boy, I thought he was about 18, 19 years old. No, no. Thrown in the lion's den. Now, when did uh, that take place? About 537 B.C. And that's recorded in chapter 6, verse 1. We find the chronological reference. We find the chronological references in these verses. Well, that took place in 537, and he was born in 620. How old would he be? 60 plus 20 plus 3. What would that be? 83 years old when he was thrown into the lion's den. All right, that's the historical section of the book. Now, 7, 8, 9, and 10. We have four prophecies. Number one prophecy here. Number two here. Number three here. And number four in chapters 10 to 12. In, number, in the first prophecy... We have that prophecy of the four great beasts. That's the same as this first one. The image pictures the world empires in terms of the way Nebuchadnezzar looked at them. Great. Daniel 7 pictures the same thing the way God looks at it. Four ravening, destructive beasts. Four great world empires, and that's given to us. Now, when was that given? Well, that was given in the first year of Belshazzar. And Belshazzar's, now listen, Belshazzar's father was Nabonidus. Nabonidus began raiding in 555 B.C. He was a Babylonian. Belshazzar began raiding as his father's co-regent in 553. So the first year of it was 553 B.C. And that's given to us in Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. So that means, if you look at here, that fits back over here, you see. Fits right in here. But he's going to put these prophecies at the end of the book. All right, number 8. Number 8, chapter number 8, we have the second prophecy. And it's the prophecy of the ram and the he-goat. Persia and Greece, the ram and the he-goat. And that was given in the second, third year of, Bel, of Belshazzar which would be 551 B.C., and that's found in 8.1. The third prophecy, Daniel chapter 9, is the key, I think it's the basic, one of the basic prophecies of the Bible. It's a prophecy of the 70 weeks. And that's given in, uh, in, the, in Darius' reign, we would say about 538 B.C., and that's given to us in chapter 9, verse 1. And then the final prophecy is chapter 10, 11, and 12. And that prophecy is of the Maccabean period. The and then he skips a long time the tribulation and the coming deliverance of Israel, which I believe is still in the future. And that's given to us about 537 B.C. And it's dated in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. And that's the book, see? That's the book. Now, I wished I had put that on paper. I wished I'd put that on paper. Here's the book. And I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, don't try to write that down. Unless you've got it half written already, I'll put that on paper. And I'll get it for you two weeks from now because I want to take about the remaining 60 seconds and I want you to take your Bible with you, with me, and look at these 10 references. Now get your Bible, look at Daniel chapter Daniel chapter 1. Let's just get this and then we'll be through. While you're doing that, keep one eye on the Bible and one eye on the board. Can you do that? <laughs> you see there, how many events? Six events and how many prophecies? Four. Four prophecies. 10, 11, and 12 are one prophecy. Six events, four prophecies. And the book of Daniel is often divided this way. Now, this is not what I'll follow, but it's often divided this way. Six events. Four prophecies. All right, look at Daniel chapter, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. This takes place the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, king Nebuchadnezzar, and took Daniel and his friends to Babylon. 
Well, the third year Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim began in 608. So the third year Jehoiakim is 60. So there's the deportation to Babylon, the exile to Babylon, 605 B.C. And the date is given to us in Daniel 1, 1. All right, number two. Number two. In the second year of the reign of who? When did he become king? When did his daddy die? 605 B.C. So the second year is 604 or perhaps 603. It depends on how you date it. I got it 603. 604, 603 B.C. So that's found, the date is found in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. That's Nebuchadnezzar's first dream, the dream of the image. All right, look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. All right, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. Now, there's no date there, but that couldn't have taken place, if you look here now, that couldn't take place but a few months because the image that he built, the great image out in the plain of Dura, was based on this dream. And I suppose he made it four or five, six months afterwards, see? So I got it in 602 B.C. Chapter 4, chapter 4. Now, chapter 4 gives us no date either. But we know it took place somewhere near the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And so we dated, most men dated about 575 B.C. All right, chapter 5. That's Nebuchadnezzar's second dream when he became uh, virtually insane for seven years. Chapter 5 is Belshazzar's dream and the fall of Babylon. Now look at chapter 5, verse 20, verse 30. I got the wrong... Verse 30 and 31. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Babylonians, slain, and Darius the Mede, who's probably the general to, general to Cyrus, took the kingdom. When did Babylon fall? October 539 B.C. And that's the fall of it right there, see? 30 and 31 gives us the fall of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. So Daniel chapter 5 is dated... At 539 B.C., October 539 B.C., Daniel 5 tells us one night, what happened on one night in October 539 B.C., the year that, month that Babylon fell. Chapter 6, chapter 6, please Darius, that same Darius, to set over the kingdom 120 princes. Well, this took place, it couldn't have taken place less than about a year or two after they came. So I got it 537 B.C. in the lion's den, Daniel 6.1. Those are the six events. Now let's look at four more passages. We'll be through. Now we come to four prophecies. Daniel dates these prophecies. Four prophecies. Seven, eight, nine, and ten to twelve. Now look at Daniel 7.1. What, when... When did, this pro- when did Daniel receive this prophecy? First year of whom? When did I say De- Belshazzar began reigning with his father's co regent 553 B.C. So this is 553 B.C., the first year of Belshazzar. King of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head. 553 B.C. It's the dream of the four beasts. It's the same thing as Daniel chapter 2. All right, Daniel chapter 8. Prophecy Number two, prophecy number two, prophecy number two. When did this one take place? Third year. What would the third year be? Five, five, one B.C. The first year, Daniel 7 is five, five, three. The third year is five, five, one B.C. And this is the vision of the ram and the he-goat. The ram represents Persia and the he-goat represents Greece. All right, Daniel number nine. Daniel number 9. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. When is this dated? The five, well, what does it say there? The first year of who? Of Darius, the son of Hazareth. There's that Darius, the seed of Eve, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Probably a general under Cyrus. And the first, in the first year would be about 538 B.C. Now chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 1. Chapter 10, 11, and 12 are all one prophecy. Chapter 10, verse 1, when does it say there? Third year Cyrus. 
what would be the third year of Cyrus? About five, he, he, he started, uh, Jerusalem fell 539 October, so the third year would be about 537 B.C. And that's it. Now will you look up here? We'll summarize it in three. What is the book, six events, four prophecies? This is the way you can walk through the book of Daniel. And they're all dated. But some of these fit back into here. Well, these two fit back into here, see? These two before the fall of Babylon, and these two after the fall of Babylon. So we got these six events, deportation, Nebuchadnezzar's first dream, fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar's second dream, fall of Babylon, and the lion's den. Those six events. And then we...